Bienvenue, mesdames et messieurs, dans un autre épisode de la conversation avec, ici, sur Keyboard Kimura. Je suis votre hôte, Eastman Kite, et mon invité aujourd'hui est le point plume de l'UFC, Charles Jordan. That was such How do we do? How do we do? Oh my God, I love it, man. Thank you for, for yeah. <laughs> the French, I see you. I breaking like out, breaking out grade 10 French, breaking out family growing up in Cornwall. <laughs> Charles Jordan is in the building. Thank you, my friend. How are you? I'm very happy to be there. Uh, I remember you were one of the first one who gave me uh, the chance to, to be interviewed uh, back in, uh, when I fought uh, in Korea. I think, uh, yeah, we were on a different time zone and you took the time to, to interview me. So being here after four years now, I'm, I'm very happy to be uh, talking with you, my friend. Yeah, we will get to the four years. We will get to some of our previous conversations. Can you hear there. me properly? Oh, yeah, of course. Lagging? No, we're good. Am I? Oh, okay. All you're right. Good. You're looking sharp. Pirate life is here. We start the same way always on this show. We will get to, as I said, some of the previous conversations we've had, all the different journeys. But we start with, Charles Rodin, when did you fall in love with combat sports? Uh, when I knew that something that I thought was illegal was legal. So I thought <laughs> like I was being a criminal for wanting to punch someone in the face. Then I'm like, oh, people can do that and not be in trouble. So, but we're all a little bit intrigued about it. We all want to like, I, I got a funny story about it. Like when I was uh, younger, I, I got threats and, uh, There was a guy that was used to bullying me in my town. Uh, he was a fucking asshole. And uh, he was all older than all of us. Like, he was he was supposed to go to the adult school, but they kept him in school. He was, like, 18 or something. And we were all, like, 13, 14s. And this guy used to trip me and uh, say, I'm going to kick your ass. Beat the shit out of this guy. I would be so happy. And... Uh, <laughs> And then I, I was just curious about fighting. Uh, here in uh, Quebec, we have La Saint-Jean, which is uh, uh, a big uh, party that we have here. And uh, there was all, always fights. Every year, there was plenty of fights. People are drunk, and they just get into these big brawls and everything. So we were always surrounded by a situation where violence was involved. And uh, I was just curious. I'm like, man, I, I want to know these things. And people are like, no, get away from trouble. Get away from there. But me, I wanted to be there. I wanted to see everything that was going on. So coming back to that guy who used to, to bully me, it's a funny story because recently I went to the grocery store and uh, he was the one who was packing my food. So me, I'm in the UFC. I'm, I'm having success. I'm enjoying everything. And this guy used to bully people younger than him. I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, be more mission. Fuck that. Like, he was an <laughs> asshole. And now you're, you're packing my grocery and I give you $2. And this $2 will change your life. Like, they will make your life better. So it was, it was good. I was just looking at him. He was like, man, I'm so happy. Look at you, how successful you are. And, and, and. and I was like, yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> and, well and it's it's like thank you but like why did you have to be such an asshole oh no he, he was something like it's not something like just bullying pushing on the corner everything he was sending me death threats and he was saying nights i i could i couldn't sleep because i thought that he would really try to show up to my place and kill me like uh he, he was a, a a fucking prick like they, there's people like mess with kids and push them around bully them tell them they're ugly they're fat whatever Like it, it was, it was next level shit. So seeing them there, I, I, I thought to myself, I won't catch a case, but if there's no camera, I would just smack the shit out of you. Right. But I'm a, I'm a grown man now, so I need to get past that. Yeah. What was it that that gave you that sort of entry into training, competing, learning that this is something you can do professionally and within the boundaries of the law, like? When did you go from being the 13-year-old kid that wants to find out how he can defend himself to now this is a path I'm on? Yeah, uh, we started for fun and with curiosity. Everything starts with you being curious, you trying something. And I was like, man, I, I love this. We trained for a whole year, me and my brother Louis. And uh, 
until they said, do you guys want to fight? We're like, yeah, sure. But we were already sparring. And in our mind, that was enough. You know, we were just punching grown ass men. And I remember Louis broke the nose of a like big construction worker. Like uh, it was, it was just so fun for us to be uh, able to, to fight these guys. And uh, like all that energy, we would come back to school and would be, we would be relaxed kids. Uh, the, uh, the way around, we would be super turbulent when we didn't have the sport. So, uh, yeah, we started for fun. We did one fight, and I don't know if you recall Brendan Thatch. Yep. He was a big guy with the Mohawk, enormous guy, a very cool guy. And he was there when we fought amateur, and he came and see us afterwards, and he was like, uh, you kids have great potential to be in UFC, and then, and then we're like, oh, my God, the UFC fighter just gave us props. And then it started. My, my, my father started taking us to La Casual Spa, which is the, the sport restaurants here to watch uh, George when he was fighting. But the first event that we saw, it was supposed to be George against Nick, but George had, I think, his ACL. So it was BJ Penn against right. Nick D. And that was one of the uh, first uh, fight that we saw, uh, uh, first fight night. And that allowed every two, three weeks there was an event. My father would bring us there, eat the nachos and sip like seven <laughs> sprites and just watch uh, UFC all night. And then it just started like organically. We, it was never forced. My father just was so happy to see that uh, we really enjoy doing some things. And he gave us the freedom to, to do it uh, properly. You mentioned in there, obviously, younger brother Louis, also a fighter. The Matt Prince got a victory last week. Congratulations to him. Yes. Before we started training or even while we were starting training, what were the interactions like? What were the, the sibling battles like between the Jordan boys in the house? Or was it none of that? We just kept it in the gym and we uh, no. were always against other people. No, it's still awful to this day. <laughs> very hard for us to train together. Like my, my coach, uh, our master Fabio knows it. And, uh, no, we, we we're better at helping each other, but uh, like let's say jujitsu, we can roll. There's plenty of things, but sparring it's different. Like hitting your brother, and now your younger brother wants to prove uh, right that uh, that there's like too much too much thing going on. So me and Louis, we never spar together unless it's like kind of flow sparring. But uh, no, and we have two older brothers as well. So yeah, there was four four Jordan. Oh, uh, man. Crazy mother. Yeah, my mom's a very strong woman, man. <laughs> so, five, yeah. five men in the house. Lots of lots of testosterone. The lots of energy. We had uh, Berger d'Anatoly. It's like a, a German, uh, a German uh, dog. A little bit different from the German Shepherd. And we had a big boxer. So it was like too much testosterone <laughs> in one fucking place. My mom, my, my mom is. Uh, I love her very much. She was very strong to handle all of that. <laughs> So how did we get from training? Yeah, we'll take a fight. Brandon Thatch says, hey, you guys got some potential. What's what's the next few steps? What's the road down? What's the journey down the road that gets you to two-division champion TKO, rising star in Canada, showing up in Rochester, New York to fight Des Green up a division in his backyard on short notice? Yeah, all uh, of it, I'm going to have to be frank with you. I didn't have posters in my room. I was not like I'm the next big thing. I was never, I was never uh, dreaming that much. I was just living it properly, and um, of course it was a goal, but it was not something that I wouldn't go to sleep if something bad happened. It, everything happened very organically. My wins in TKO, my transition from amateur to pro, uh, my fights in Thailand. Everything was just I want to try. And if you give me a chance, I'll do everything I have to 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 put uh, to put luck on my side. Let's say so. Yeah, they, I, I there's a saying I really like: is the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yep. And the, the more the more I put effort into fighting, I was always at the gym. Like people say, oh yeah, when, when when's the camp? Like to this day, I don't do camps. I just train and train and train. I'm in vacation right now. I'm I'm gonna finish the conversation with you. Uh, I got all my training set up over there. Like I just trained because I love it. I felt the feeling of being strong and uh, it was never like, oh, I fight. Then I take a break. It's even when I'm in a break, I take a break from competition. I don't take a break from training. I'm constantly, constantly, constantly in the gym. Otherwise I'm bored. I don't know what to do with my life. So 
all all of this road that I took was never with the pressure of becoming something. It was just to live it the best I could because our time is very limited and tomorrow is not promised to anyone. So, like I it, like last fight could have been could be my last. I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. So I make sure right. everything is is lived properly. Yeah, one of the earlier times that we spoke, you talked about look, I didn't come from. I, I didn't come from this hard scrabble kind of lifestyle that we hear of so many fighters. Like I grew up in a, in a fairly privileged home. Like we were, we were taken care of things were good. Yeah. And so I don't, I, I didn't have to struggle necessarily. I, I had to learn how to struggle within my craft. Yeah. How difficult okay. is that as a, like learning a piece that you have to learn because this sport is, you know, way better than I do about struggle this sport is about working towards mastery and never getting there it's about going through misery in camp and it yeah. still may not work out right yeah oh absolutely like uh, one of my biggest fear let's say is is to put three months in a camp tremendous amount of work money and and time and uh, sacrificing time with my my loved ones just to get knocked out in 10 seconds that that's like when i see that i feel for these guys i'm like holy shit that's that's hard and you're like should i come back fast to erase that or should i take my time but uh, man this is one of my <laughs> the thing that i i i wish well if it happens it happens it's life but man that that would be something that i i wouldn't like but yeah it it, it mixes up a lot with what i just said about everything being uh organic everything just flows and uh like when i hear people say that it's difficult of course it's difficulty that you put yourself through it but it's not life difficult right meaning that my life is not threatened i know um my master fabio as a son who had a very rare disease in his brain and uh, he had a, a surgery and uh makes it that half of his brain was, was taken out it was a 36 hour surgery this kid is the best kid I know. And, and he's just so happy all the time. He, want, he speaks three languages. He, have, he has half a brain. Speak Portuguese, uh, 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 French, and English. Speaks three languages. Does jiu-jitsu. Plays right. soccer. Video game. He does everything and he never complains. He's just so happy to be there. And then I see people, oh, it was hard to get at the gym. I was like, you don't know what the fuck is hard. We don't know it. We right. live in Canada. We live in the most privileged place in the world, depending on which area and your circumstances. But when I hear people say their life are tough, I'm like, yeah, shut the fuck up. We're good. You know, I mean, it's it's there. there's some things like illness. There, there's some things like accident, like car accident. makes. There, there's so many uncro uncontrollable things. And you guys have the ability to control some stuff. And you think this is difficult. No, but because you, because you can control some things means you can make it worse and you can make it better. We have control over our lives. There's some people who don't. So we have to be very grateful. And uh, yeah, but mixing it up to, 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 towards your question, is, uh, uh, towards your point was because I didn't grow up with uh, life hardships, I put myself voluntarily through hardship by making weight by showing up by finding these guys who are heavier than me by uh being 18 year old telling my mom i'm quitting school i'm working as a, a security guard in bars to to make as much money as i can to go to thailand so everything that was hard in my life i put myself through it in order to become a better version of myself what was that conversation like with your mom of, hey, I'm 18, cool. no more cool. CJAP, I'm, I'm going to Thailand. Yeah, yeah. She, she just told me, uh, my, my, my parents were never the ones who push us through stuff. They were like, try it. If you like it and it works, keep going. And uh, they, they were not controlling parents. Like I, I think 90% of my friends, they would have said that to their parents. They would have said, "No, fuck you! You're you're staying in <laughs> right. school. You're no, you're not right. doing, sh not going to Thailand. You're gonna get killed. Uh, you're going to Cuba with us instead. You're gonna see the world in Cuba." Blah blah blah. So, no, my mom was like, "Okay, just so you know, I'm not giving you any money. 
I was like, perfect, fine. Like, I, I give give me these things that I like. Everything tastes better when you work for it. So my first trip to Thailand, I was working at half. I was uh, working half in a bar, uh, selling little cocktails to like uh, 45. It was like a dense place uh, for 45 year old to 60. Like uh, all those, uh, all those. Uh, old woman I was like oh you're so sexy and they were all drunk and i was like yeah it was also all very <laughs> uncomfortable but we're very fun i made my money and then i worked as a security guard in, in bars and the, the, there is where I, that is where i found that alcohol makes people so fucking stupid it was kindergarten over there like people drunk fighting this guy's watching my girl I'm like where maybe if your girl is not twerking on the bar nobody would look at her like you know and and um uh, I did that for a little bit of time, made good money. But at the end, I was like, man, this is too violent. Uh, man, I got into some altercation and I was like, I can't believe I, I came out unscattered of this. I was, I was, I hated it and I loved it at the same time. <laughs> right. yeah. So talking to my mom and she's like, uh, yeah, I'm not giving you any money, but just promise me, Charles, if it doesn't work, you're going to find something else. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm going to find something else. And uh, no, I went to Thailand, fought twice. First time I fought for Tiger Muay Thai, beat the little taxi driver, a fat guy. And I was like, no, I want, I want something better. And Tiger Muay Thai was like, no, we need to protect uh, the name of the gym. You need to win. I, we're not giving you anybody good. So I was like, okay, fuck you guys. I, I want, I want a challenge. I want to, I want to get beat up, you know, in Thailand. So I went to. Uh, I went to another gym called Dragon Muay Thai, and I told them, give me good guy, please. So I enter the, the 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 venue. We go there. I look at the venue. It's big stadium in Patong. It was the Bangla. No, it was in the, yeah on the Bangla Road yeah, in Patong. And I see this guy entering the cage, uh, the the ring with belts. I'm like, and I'm looking at the coach like with side eye, like what the fuck is going on? I, like I asked you something good, not a fucking champion. <laughs> right. He's like. What? You told me you want something good. <laughs> this is good fight for you. It's going to be hard. You might get killed, but it's okay. I said, oh, my dear, man. Then I look at my coach, Eric, and I was like, dude, I won't tell anyone. that Because phones weren't a big thing back right. then. When I was, so uh, I was like, Shh, they, no, sorry. My coach told me, I won't tell anybody. We can just leave this place and never come back. And no one will never remember that time that you choked out and i was like nah fuck it let's fucking do it so they put the oil on you they prepare you they do their waihu and me my waihu is just some few a uh, few things waihu is like a dance to the gods that yeah. you make to say thank you and uh, try to curse your opponent with arrows and stuff like that so i do mine around the the the, the octagon and him is like a three two three minutes and he's like cursing me like throwing arrows making big step and i'm like what the fuck am I doing here? But that that feeling is so cool that I wish that uh, a lot of people would know that. It's like, it's should I should I flee? Should I fly away? I don't know how you say it in English, but yep. should I run? And uh, or should I stay and fight? I stayed and fight. The guys start destroying me with elbows and kicks, and then I I did a fake switch and I went with a high kick, boom on his jaw, knocked him out, and I was like. <gasps> Wow. And I was very happy when I saw he didn't get up. I was like, stay down, motherfucker, man, because that was the most horrible minute and a half of my life. So, yeah, organic, had fun, lived the great moments. And now they're all in the past. Yeah. And, and great moments organically that that led to a lot of success. One yeah. of the things we talked about uh, a couple of years back prior <clears throat> to the fight with Marcelo Royo was yeah. you went through the first year of your professional career where you didn't earn a victory. And it was, it was a mind fuck for you. It was a, like, I've, I've got to deal with this because I've never dealt with this. What's it like going through? What's that feeling like of having a tremendous amount of success? Not that you were undefeated. You lost a couple times on the way up, but you always got to win every year and you were always progressing forward. What's it like dealing with that moment of, the success isn't coming now. Now I'm not getting the the return and the result that I'm after. Uh, I don't recall having a year without the victory, though. 
real quick. Uh, uh, Andre Andre Feely and then Josh Coolibau draw. Oh, the draw. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make that was a year. The whole year yeah. I, I was super active. I didn't thought that was. Uh, Yes. Oh, yes. So it was in between Rojo and uh, and uh, the Korean Superboy. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. Yeah, yep. you're right. Um, yeah, like the f- ever since I lost in Paris, like the Burgos fight, I I didn't give a shit. I was like, <laughs> "Fuck you! I won this fight. Fuck you guys! I beat the number fourteen in the world." And then you go to PFL and change weight class and. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, the the fight in Paris, I was just so drained and uh, so fucked physically and mentally uh, when I when I got there. And uh, since the fight in Paris, until I won against Kron, I couldn't sleep without watching something on my phone. I cannot be alone with my own my own mind. That's how weird it is to be a fighter because. Um, it's not depression. People are trying to label it. Even my 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 doctor, which I I really like, but it's more a sports doctor, and he was telling me you should go see this this guy. He's gonna tell you if you have depression. I'm like, fuck you! I don't have depression. I'm just setting very high expectation of myself for this next performance. That makes it that I I can barely sleep and I cannot because every time I try to go to sleep, I try to put some calm things in my mind or try to center myself. And then I'm like, okay, when Kron's going to do this, you need to do that. And then my girlfriend feels me like I'm shaking, I'm moving. I'm, I'm my, my brain is just going uh, crazy. So after this fight, she actually told me, I'm so happy. Like for the <laughs> time in the last eight months, you went to sleep without watching anything, without reading anything. You just went and you, you passed out. And she was very happy about that. And I don't think it's depression, anxiety, all those fucking things that people want to put you on meds for, which understandable to some people. But for me, it's not. I think it's just something I need to deal with properly. And uh, yeah, having a victory changes, changes, changes your mind. It shouldn't affect the, your, the way you carry yourself and your character, but it should definitely affect uh, uh, just how, how you see yourself and how you feel uh yeah especially in your mind it, it like that last victory bring me a lot of of uh it calmed the storm in my head a lot we'll we'll get to crone gracie shortly here you said going into the fight in paris against nathaniel wood yeah um very banged up physically and mentally what yeah. was going on what were you dealing with so in the span of a year i did uh six weight cuts if you count uh, from september right. to september with erosa uh, also, the one that I when I finished T-Wall after that, uh, so there was the Erosa loss. Then I was then I went and fought Ewell at the crazy Sparta kick that went viral. I still yep. receive me these to this day. Uh, then I went to fly to fight Toporia, which didn't right. make weight. And uh, then I went for Vanata a month after that. Then Hurricane Shane Burgos. Then flying to Paris off schedule to fight uh, uh, Nathaniel. And normally I rehydrate to around 160. I drop from 160 during fight week to 145, which is which is a good cut, you know. So I dehydrate myself. I start cutting weight, and I I feel something's off. Like I'm like fuck, man, my body's fucking weird. Like I got cramps. I'm I'm feeling weird. I'm like fuck it, I don't care. I'll go. And uh, even the 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 guy from the PI were like, man, this this you're, this is not going good. I'm like fuck you guys I'm, I'm good i can't fight you know i've been fighting my whole life you know you guys don't know anything that that's how stubborn i was and then uh i started the rehydrating process after hitting 145 i get up to 148 i'm like okay this is slow this is very slow i then every time i would uh get something into my system i would puke it i, I like every time i was eating something i was pissing it i was puking it it was it was not fun and then i'm like ah, i don't mind i, I won't i will stop checking my weight i i feel I'm, I'm getting paranoid about it so the day passed i still heat i still puke i'm like nah fuck it I, I can't do three rounds of five it's nothing i get on the scale before entering uh the because they weight check you before the fight just to see how much you rehydrated and everything i'm like oh Probably like be one 155, you know, it's not going to be a big 15, but it's going to be a 10 pound, you know, I, I took back. 
And Bart, I got my 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 uh, tuxedo on. I, I was wearing a tuxedo to get to the arena. And I had my keys. I had my phones. I had everything. <laughs> I was 47. So that means naked, I was about 144. I was less than Underweight. when I cut. Yeah. What the fuck? Then I, I look at my coach and I had my brother and my other coach sail with me. And I just look at, at Fabio and I'm like, just don't say it because I don't want them to stress because if you bring people to a, a war with you and they're stressed, you're going to feel that stress. I'm like, nah, it's okay. I feel good. No worry. It was like, yeah, I know. But Fabio knows. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm feeling like shit getting to the cage. First minute went good. It was a, it was a cool fight. I watched it once. I, did, I fucking hate watching myself fight because I cringe because I'm like, you should have done that. You should have done that. Right. But I watched it. And I'm like, man, what? And you can see me coming back to the uh, to the, the 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 stool in between rounds, and I'm hitting my body. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm there. I see everything, but my body and my mind is not reacting as fast as it should. So there's a saying that I like. It goes, when the mind is nowhere, the mind is everywhere. Which means if you're not focused on one thing, you're focused on everything. That that's happening in this uh, high. Uh, I uh intensity and I uh adrenaline moment. So I'm walking back and I'm hitting my body. I'm like, what the fuck? My body's not responding at all. I'm like, Nathaniel is not a big guy and I, I cannot move him. Like I I tossed around Shane Burgos uh, a month and a half ago and now I can't even get up. What the fuck's going on? So I, w- I watched the fight and I was like, man, I did good for someone who was physically destroyed like that. Right. But, uh, it, it stuck to me. I'm like, fuck, you're stupid. You knew you shouldn't. It was only to fight in Paris. I was like, yeah, I should go. Right. I should. Everybody around was telling me, Charles, you should think about it. But fuck, I'm, I'm a risk taker. So yeah, went in that fight, fought, fought well, but my body was, was just destroyed. And now I, I heard a very good nutritionist to, to, to help me with this camp with uh, Kron. I rehydrated, rehydrated to 165, which is 20 pounds of rehydration in a matter of 15 hours, which is tremendous. I felt good. I felt fucking strong against Kron. Like, uh, I, f- I felt wonderful in that fight. But yeah, that, that fucking Paris fight was ah, pissed me off. That's why I couldn't sleep. I was like, fuck, man. I, I, but that's life. Like, uh, like I said, it's <laughs> personal hardship. It's not life hardship. So, right. but <laughs> <laughs> you said coming out of the fight with Crone, which was a tremendous performance. And, and I want to, I mean, obviously, as a someone that watches this sport, but also someone that has spoken to you many times, I know your style. I know the way you like to fight. And right. so now that I have you here, I want to commend you on a very tactical, a very smart, a very professional approach. I'm sure it was hard as shit to to learn, to hold yourself to. Let's get through yeah. that part first because it was atypical of Charles Rodin, yeah. but exactly how you needed to face Crone Gracie. What's yeah, it like I'm, preparing for that and, and executing? Uh, the training camp was not the most exciting because I had plenty of, of fucking grapplers from... Uh, the B team, uh, like uh, his name is Peo Leclerc, the guy that trains with Craig Jones and all these guys uh, yep. from our formerly Danaher Dead Squad. I had these guys coming up. I had uh, uh, Matteo Vogel, uh, fellow Canadian yep. uh, from Ottawa, who would always come down to spar. And I'm going to help him for his preparation also for Contender, Contender series. series this summer. Yep. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, it was just fucking awful having these guys start with my back. had big, <laughs> like, it was. It was a fucking nightmare, but everything I put myself to made sure that the performance that I put on was 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 good. My boxing was great. I was fast. I was hitting, not getting hit. Uh, I was hitting fast and strong. So yeah, the, the preparation was very specific, and I, I really en- I enjoyed the performance. But for sure, the training camp was was one of the hardest one I've had. Well. Yeah, it was. It was. It was uh, very difficult. And I remember just uh, reading the, the 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 art of war from Sun Tzu and the strategy tactics uh, wins battle. I don't care how much uh, the fan loved it. I don't care about uh, how much uh, highlight it's gonna be. Uh, if there's no victory, there's nothing. So I didn't have this approach back then. But now I'm. Ter- I turned 27. 
and I'm born on the 27, which means this year is my lucky year, let's yep. say. So I want to make sure, man, I, I cannot drop the ball on this. I'm finding, I'm finding a master. And the, the thing with a master is most of the time you know what they're going to do, but they can surprise you with one fucking me. What I, I didn't expect, uh, what I thought that would be very dangerous is when he pulls guard, try to go uh, inside and uh, try to attack my legs. Because I'm a because I'm a kicker because I I'm someone who uses my leg a lot like uh, I I was expecting him to in those three years have changed his game a lot but he didn't he was always that Kimura armbar guillotine guy and uh, it didn't do anything that surprised us but we we, we performed uh, we prepared for the worst case scenario so every time he was jumping guard I was walking back to the cage putting his back against the fence because once you got your head pulled up like that against the cage it's very hard for you to use your hips uh reducing your hip mobility is preventing any harm attacks on bar kimura um omoplata omoplata is almost impossible against the cage guillotine is very hard against the cage you need leverage so you need to turn your body so i was always making sure his body was centered keeping the under control of the biceps dropping elbows on his core in order to bring a, a little bit of his cardio down i think the hardest thing from this side was not kicking I kicked him a little bit in the third round, but it was like most of my fights that I got taken down, which is my uh, Achilles uh, heel. That's right. what you guys call it. Yep. Achilles heel uh, was all not from me not having proper wrestling ability. It's from me overdoing stupid shit that I shouldn't <laughs> be doing because I'm winning the fucking round. So... <laughs> Taking a step back was very good. Those eight months of me, I, like I said, it was not a pause. I was training my ass off. I think I was training more than than, than I've ever trained in the last eight months. But uh, I took a break from performance because I'm like, okay, there's some things I need to change. And I think I think with me applying proper strategy and tactics, I can beat a lot of these guys in the top 15, a lot of these guys in the top 30. So I'm I'm... I'm very happy for what's next, and you're good. Of course, you guys are are going to see a more strategic, less chaotic, but there's still going to be a lot of power, a lot of kicks, a lot of of uh, wild shit. But it needs to be a little bit uh, under control. You said in your post-fight interview with Joe that I'm an yeah. immature fighter, and it shows yeah. in my record. Yes. Can you explain to me what you? I think I know what you mean. And I heard it and was like, okay, I get what he's saying. And first and foremost, I appreciate that self-understanding and that acknowledgement. But what did you mean by that for yourself in terms of both that performance and your and your career to date? I mean, if I would have been more mature, uh, I wouldn't have chosen uh, the path of... Uh, sorry, this little guy wants to <laughs> chill. Um, I... I would have transformed that that close decision with Burgos to a win. I would have changed that Philly one, of course, the Kuliba one. This this thing, I, I can't fucking believe I I they they gave it uh, they gave it they gave a draw for it. But like, if you take those three fights and switched up my record, Erosa would they beat me? Right. Erosa would they beat me? Fair, fair and square. I don't care about the thing that was in shape or whatever. I showed up. He did his job. I didn't. And Erosa took the fight on the week and a half and uh, fucking Darce choked me. The, those two are wins. arms out there. Yeah. Fuck, man. This guy was, was, <laughs> was fun to fight. Very fun to fight. But yeah, those three ones, the, the Kubilao, the, the, the Philly and the, the Burgos would switch up my records tremendously. I think I would be, what? Eight and and three, eight and, yeah, eight and eight, three. Yeah, I would be 8-3 in the UFC, and uh, I, I know it's it's weird, but I'm just making those speculation of of what have, what have, what would have happened if I just was yeah. a little bit more smart in my approach. And uh, there was the the last uh, the, the the short notice UFC debut against Desmond Green. That for me it was like it was a break the ice, but it was not a featherweight fight for. So for right. me, I don't, I don't care about that one. And uh, so, yeah, like my, my records would be in my mind if I was, I don't regret anything. But like all the speculation of me just taking a back step and be like, man, it could have went that way. Right. But speculation don't get you anywhere. But it's still something that I'm like, 
that made me understand that if I improved and I apply strategy and tactics, I I could have doubled my purse almost three <laughs> times. Right. But about the losses, and uh, yeah, I, I just yeah, you need to make step backs. You need to analyze like your your memory. People don't use their memory properly. I think it's it's something that Jordan Peterson, which I I'm a big fan of on on many topics, and he said memory uh, used improperly can make you depressed, can make you uh, think about things in the wrong way and drag you down. But if it used properly, is a tool to remember what you shouldn't do in certain situation, what you should and shouldn't do in certain certain situa- situation. Sorry, my she 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 my English. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's something I really enjoyed listening to. And I was like, man, this, this, it's right. Uh, I'll, I'll use my memory of my, my past experience to make sure I don't make similar mistakes. And uh, I grow from it. And uh, yeah, led me to this uh, Charge Your Day 2.0 as much as I hate saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's, I mean, it's all part of the journey, right? It's all part of the development, yes. both as a person, as a professional, Whatever it is that gets us there, it gets us there. And and I know from talking to you over the years that it's not about the past. It's about the the present and then the future. And so however we get to, we get where we get to, that's the important part. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You you phrased it more properly. than (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into some more fight stuff, some more career stuff, a couple other quick sort of fun ones. For people that don't understand, for people that don't know, that have never enjoyed it, experienced it, appreciate it, tell the folks why St. Joubert is an absolute must-have if you're in the province of Quebec or neighboring Ontario cities like where I, where all of my family grew up in Cornwall. St. Joubert, uh, the, 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 yeah, 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 no, they, they're good. They make a chicken poutine. And their chicken is very good. Uh, it's a very good uh, branch of restaurant. My my brother Etienne used to work for them uh, as a delivery guy. And one time he came by at home with the the, the delivery car, and uh, I wanted to mess with him. So I was like fourteen, and I took the car and I, I I ran away with it, but not not far, just fucking three houses down the road. And I turned the corner and he got out, and the car wasn't there anymore. And I just came back. Hey, was it Joe? He wanted to beat the shit out of me. Good thing I run more than him. But yeah, so it's a um, they make delivery and they're good. But the the yeah the poutine with the chicken, phenomenal, phenomenal. Good restaurant. I like it. It's the sauce to me that was always the thing. That was always the always the hook. It's yeah. sort of like so for I don't know if they have Swiss chalet in in America or not, but it's sort of just like a fire roasted chicken. Yeah, that's really juicy, really good. And then there's always just this. It's the sauce that always did yeah, it for me. And barbecue sauce is yeah. as well. Well, uh, they even sell packages. Yep. And when went to to uh, Paris, uh, my my uh, my manager Stefan was there, and he actually asked Louis to bring him some package. So when he go left and right in other countries, he would make people taste the sauce with poutine, and uh, yeah. So it's a it's a worldwide thing. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. Now I'm craving St. Joubert and I'm, I'm sure I can find it somewhere. <laughs> you've got the bandana on, you've got the twin earrings. I have them as well. You have expressed to me in our conversations over the years about the pirate life, La Piratrie. Explain it to me. What's the origin? What's the the mindset of it that, that speaks to you so much? Yes. The, so for me, La Piratrie means uh, freedom. So, so people say, are you proud to be a Canadian representative? Of course I am, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm representing whoever wants to be represented. So that's just how I see it. More than uh, uh, like one religion, one country, one culture, one this, one that. No, it's, I'm, a, I'm a citizen of the world and I take my boat and I navigate the way I want. And the thing with the pirate is you choose your crew. You, you choose the people you want to be around with. Uh, like uh, there can be some family members that are close. There can be some family members that are far. There can be some friends that are close, some friends that are far. But, you know, if like if you take your boat, they're going to be there uh, with you and they're going to ride with you. And uh, no, just for me, it represents freedom because uh, my, my, my both of my parents, 
uh, introduced me to free will more than anything. They never chose for us. They had four boys. Like they cannot say, oh, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. They just said, do whatever the fuck you want, but do it properly. That's the only thing they ask of us. So I see a lot of parents saying, throwing don'ts and do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts at those young children. And you're already putting them in some sort of cage, some sort of a very singular spectrum of life. And uh, I was very fortunate to not have that. So this is why I'm representing it as a, it's a, I'm a big fan of Batman movies. Of course, the one with Christian Bale. And he said, uh, as a man, I can be destroyed. Uh, but as a symbol, I can be, uh, this is a very intense speech. It's when in the, he's in the jet, uh, when he comes back from, uh, from uh, the, the jail and the, the, the place where he trained with Ra's al Ghul and everything is in the jet with, uh, what's his name? Uh, is his best, uh, his best man. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Alfred. Yeah. 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 Alfred. So he's talking to him and he said, yeah, uh, as a symbol, I can be un, uh, undestructible. I can be something that, uh, right. All relies on and people get inspired with. So yeah, Charles is the human. The piraterie is the symbol, and uh, I think it's 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 getting bigger than I expected. I went <laughs> to the show. We fought. People have bandanas. People wearing my merch. People saying piraterie and everything. And I'm like, wow. I'm I'm very happy that this symbol can be uh, brought onto other people. Meaning that I don't belong. I I belong wherever I want to go more than I belong to this. I belong to that. So yeah, I know UFC Canada don't like when I say that, but I'm a uh, <laughs> from the PR. But I I love uh, everybody that wants to be supported. I cannot say, oh, I'm a Canadian, therefore you're Canadian, therefore you need to right. support me. I, you support me if you want to support me, and if you don't want to enjoy my stuff, and you 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 think I'm I'm going overboard with my stories and my things online. Well, it's it's all up to you to just unfollow me. I don't think I deserve any hate for for having fun through my social media, which is something that I don't get. There's like 2%, but man, I receive messages every, like yesterday I put a dumb stuff online and guys say to me, it's like, bro, every time I wake up, I hope you post something because you make me laugh every day. I'm like, right. wow, this is so cool to hear that. And it's not one one person I receive. Man, I would show you my DMs. You would laugh. You have so much. People are, are as funny as me and I really feel like all the people who are following me have the same mindset that like, we just don't care. Like we're not, we're not mean person. We can laugh about everything. Like who are you to tell me what's funny and what's not? Of course, there's some subject that are, that are controversial. They that can, yeah. that can bring Rissy, but I mean, I'm not an asshole. I'm not a mean guy. I don't hate women. I don't hate uh, fat girls or like whatever they want to put me through as a, a hateful man. I'm like, man, I, I don't, I don't have time to hate. Hate is, uh, hate is too much uh, time consuming for me to, to, to 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 have in my life you do enjoy your social media we will plug it towards the end of the show it is it is listen it's it's a it's a ride anybody that follows him anybody that eventually follows him it it is a ride just just that's the only like go into it just knowing that it's all that smiling laughing giggling face right there on the other side of the camera that's what it's all about is to get that reaction all yeah. the time. It's a ride. That's, that's yeah. the only way I can explain it. <laughs> you are a huge anime fan. You have anime tattoos. Yes, uh, I saw a thing earlier in, earlier on your Instagram of like, when I'm feeling, you know, I need a break. I go out in the sun and I read and you're reading Berserker. What is it about yes. anime that, that speaks to you, that connected to you at an early age and continues to be a thing that is prevalent part of your life. Yes. Uh, so uh, it, it all comes like it, it, anime, first of all, are from uh, Japan. And Japan is a very proud country, uh, a country that uh, has a very high standards for their students, the, 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 the people who live there. It's a very different mentality. And I, I and, and like everything that's around like the woke areas is, is not very big over there. They don't like, uh, like, uh, they they won't give medals uh for for uh, to the last guy who win the race let's say you know that i mean uh, they they're very uh pushing a lot uh self development um encouraging uh uh very traditional values that we're we're kind of losing 
these days, especially I was a young man not long ago and I, I, I see some stuff going around and it's not, I'm not the father of nobody, but I'm like, man, even though you benefit from a, a good life, you should voluntarily put yourself through some hardship in order to grow from it because nothing grows from weak soil and the weak, uh, uh, no sun, no going outside, no striving for something. Other than that, you're just going to be someone who always take from other people, but you should be someone who could have the ability to provide. So all of that brought me to this culture of, of, of uh, Japanese anime from back then, Uh, when I started with Dragon Ball, which everybody knows, then uh, led me to Naruto, which is a beautiful story. And people are like, oh, because it's animated, it's for kids. I'm like, wait a second. This is not true. It's just that the animated culture is, is very big over there and they have uh, very intense. Uh, whatever type of things you're into, they can do it, but just animated. But So basically, it's right. like listening to a story, but with animation. So, But I'm a big manga reader as well. I think... Every time you listen to one of their stories, it's all about someone who's facing tremendous amount of hardship and find their way to build back stronger. Whatever it's, a, whatever if it's Naruto or the, the, there's one that's called the Death Note, which is uh, yep. a big uh, police uh, investigation about a kid who's has this god complex and he can kill people by writing their name and he's very smart, he's very wit. So every anime that I watch, there's some that are good, there's some that are incredible there's some that are as good as i expected them to be but there's actually three ones there's dragon ball who's beautiful in terms of animation the character development is good naruto the the story is incredible for the it, it, you need to take in, into consideration that it's something that took the, the the writer 20 years to write so imagine like uh, like something that takes this amount of time is this amount of work as well put into and there's also the one piece one piece is just incredibly beautiful story that is not yet to be finished and he's been writing it for 25 years now um yeah so just the anime culture is just uh very proud very uh traditional in terms of the values they want to push through the story so that's why it gets to me i, I really enjoyed watching it uh berserk is intense it's a roller coaster of uh intensity uh as a as a manga Uh, there's one called Vinland Saga that I would highly recommend to people. It's basically a kid who's been uh, raised into this Viking environment, killing everybody. And the more he, he, he grows, because his father died when he was young and his father was trying to keep him away from this war life because he was a warrior back then as well. And, and uh, you see the first season is just him killing everybody. He wants revenge. He's, yeah, he's, he's bearing all those hateful um uh, emotions inside of him and uh every everything that's negative and he gets to a point where he reaches his goal by eliminating eliminating someone and he's like man this life is terrible because he's carrying all the, the 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 nightmares of of everything he's done as a as a child everybody's killed na 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 so now he's going into that transcending path where he wants to go to a place where there's no war and so it's It's just beautiful. It's just uh, beautiful to see this this amount of character development, the way it's written, the, the animations are good, the manga is is great as well. So yeah. Uh, sorry, I I, yeah. I went uh, a little bit offside with it, but just, you never have to apologize. I, That's the purpose of this show: is to just yeah. be able to go on tangents and be able to talk through things as much as we want. In yes, addition sir. to social media enjoyment anime and manga what are the other secret hobbies secret talents secret skills of charles rodin that people may not know can you cook are you a good dancer can you sing what else have we got uh i'm a certified nunchuck uh, champion yep. no, i'm not certified but yeah man i i just do stuff outside uh, i play i play games a lot especially after a fight i i'm a video game guy i, I play uh, i play a lot uh when i'm when i'm off cam uh, well not off cam but off let's say i'm having a month a fight in two months i'm gonna play less but it's a way to put my mind away other than that like yesterday i was uh, my 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 instagram post you saw me i was shooting bows and i'm I shoot bows, I hunt, 
I have fun with my nunchucks. I'm weird, man. Hang out but, with your dog. Uh, hang out with your girl. Hang out with your dog, exactly, on this beautiful land I'm sitting on. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a happy man. I'm living the way I want to live. And, um, yeah, next hobby is going to be building a family in the, in the next year. So, wish me luck. I heard it's not a good idea, but... I'm I'm a I'm a I'm the kind of guy who wants to find out for myself. <laughs> I'm I'm closing in on 45 and don't have any kids. There was never the plan to for the last look bunch at, of years. No plan to have kids. So look, I'm I'm not the guy to I'm not the guy to ask about this. I'm not the guy to give advice. <laughs> you know why it's scary? Because look how happy you look. Every time I talk to you, you're always happy, always smiling, everything. And every time I see people with kids, they're like. Yeah, it's the best thing in the world. So, and they have like all these pouch in their eyes. So, so yeah. the happy and smiling goes to it is 8.30 in the morning. I'm at home in a pair of sweatpants talking to a UFC fighter and somebody pays me for this stuff. Like that's the happy. I wake up every morning and as much as there is plenty to be miserable, as we've talked about throughout, as much as there is stuff that is challenging and difficult, and takes mm -hmm. work and effort and all of those things. At the end of the day, I get to get up, hang out with my dog, see my beautiful wife, been together for 17 years. I work Cheers. from home. I talk to athletes and coaches and people around the sport I love every day. What is there for me not to be smiling and happy about? I'm, I'm, I love how you phrased it uh, that way. No, you, you founded something, you went after it, and uh, you got it. I mean, you... And one thing that money can buy is peace. And you seem to have peace. And I'm, it's something... I'm trying to get there. It's taken a long time. <laughs> I'm trying to um, get there. Yeah, my, my father said it took me 64 years in order to learn how to have peace. Now that is, yeah. it's funny because now it is that I think uh, it's because he's divorced, uh, he divorced my mom like two, three years ago. And then I think that's why he, he, he said his peace comes from... <laughs> But yeah, you say everybody finds peace their own way. <laughs> no, but also you mentioned your dog, and there was a saying, another one that I really like is, "The more I spend time with human, the more I love my dog." And I was like, "Yeah, that's true." <laughs> and, my and my dog is a pain in my ass, and he's stubborn, and he's, you know, seven months we've had him, and he's still we're still trying to figure him out. But he's still great. He's still terrific. And I will spend every day with him that he will let me. Cheers you, to that. You mentioned me finding, <laughs> setting, there you go. Speaking of dogs, you mentioned me sort of setting goals for myself and, and a plan for myself in going back and prepping for this. Read back some of the stuff we've done together for UFC.com over the years. You laid out some names back a few years ago of guys you would like to fight and, and you even phrased it as like, people won't understand how difficult it is to face a guy like Shane Burgos, but this guy's a fucking monster. You've actually fought a few of those people. Yeah. And one of the names that keeps popping up is Edson Barbosa. What yeah. is it about that fight that excites you so much and intrigues you so much? Uh, uh, it's the striking department it's the strike uh the striking de like if i wouldn't be in the ufc i would be in glory or i would be in uh one doing kickboxing kickboxing was my my first love muay thai as well and uh this is what i would do so knowing that i can face one of the guy they called one of the best strikers in ufc and be able to trade with this guy uh i would be i would be honored by that because you know I, I sparred a lot of glory guys uh, very high-ranked glory guys, and uh, I had this occasion. It was a very big privilege, and I'm like, man, I can take on these guys. You know, my my striking is is to this point. I'm not throwing myself some flowers, but I'm I'm going with the fact that I've been able to to train with these guys and sparred with a good intensity. And I was like, man, I'm I'm good. I'm a very good striker because I I don't know. Like I'm a good striker, let's say for MMA, but when it comes to glory and all those bigger worldwide organization, how should I fare? And I, I fare pretty good. So knowing that I could trade with Edson would be uh, would be just a, a little thing that you write on your check mark. I know I know people it's always belt, belt, belt. But me, I have all these small things that I want, like fighting a Gracie. This is just a beautiful right. thing to have resume. Right. You know, it's a beautiful thing. 
By the way, it's not a green screen, guys. Imagine if I touch that. <laughs> it looks like a that's screen. that's actually where you are <laughs> where you are staying. It's yes, lovely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just those those little checkpoints and fighting at San Barbosa would be one of these uh, checkpoints. What are some of the other ones that are on that list? Fighting a Gracie was one. Edson Barbosa is one that hopefully we will get at some point. What else is there? Uh, Mike Soloway. Mike, like uh, I have this uh, imaginary it list, let's say, <laughs> and I would love to to fight uh, Edson uh, all the way. Uh, Zombie is too much my friend now uh, for him to be on the list, man. It's, it's crazy. Like I didn't want to bother him during fight week because he was there. But he was always the one coming up to me and he's like, hey, how are you? Man? And it was looking at pads. It was so nice because I met him in Busan when we fought in Korea right. and we were in the same locker room. And we, me in my mind, like you're there, you're the Korean uh, zombie, like you're big. And I was like, hey, man, I'm super shy. I'm asking him for a picture. And he's like, yeah, of course, my friend. And after the picture, every time I would see him, he would come by. And then one time I was on my phone with uh, my brother, Etienne. I'm like, someone's going to pass. You're going to recognize him because he's a fan of it. So I'm sitting like this. And then he comes by, by, hello, how are you? And then he starts talking with my brother. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't want to bother him, you know? And uh, no, the whole week, man, I saw him at restaurants. Every time we saw each other, he would come by and like we would flash uh, his hand, fake takedown in me and everything. So I was like, man, this guy is so cool. And I grew up watching this guy. When I said yep. I was going to La Spal, I went to La Spal to watch him fight Jose Aldo for the belt. Right. Like, uh, I watched this guy grow up, and now I'm in UFC, and he's in my locker room, and we're chilling together. I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is crazy. Burgos, I knew I would fight him. I'm going to fight Tuporio one day. I'm going to fight all the way, Barbosa. Those are, like, like the kind of guys that you see them, and you're like, we're, we're going to have – we're going to fight one day. Also, Billy Quarantilo, like, I, I saw him, and then uh, – he was uh, there with Frivola, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I'm like, you know, we're gonna fight one day. <laughs> they, just, yeah, just funny uh, and 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 interaction and uh, funny stuff. Billy Q is good. He's a big guy. It was good energy, but it, I don't have to hate anybody to fight them. Right. And I, from all the guys that I've listed, I don't hate any of them. I, I, they're all fighters like me who are trying to support themselves or support their family. So I don't have any hate. I don't I don't understand always that thing that I need to hate someone. I don't. I don't have time to hate. It's boring. So we're recording this on June 2nd. It will come out a little later in the month. So it will be after UFC 289 out here in Vancouver. You have yet to fight in Canada in the <laughs> UFC. I know, obviously, as we talked about earlier, it is the pirate life. It's not yeah. necessarily just Canadian, but is there something about getting one in in canada and i would assume maybe home province get one in montreal that that speaks to you still uh, i cannot carry a montreal card unfortunately uh quebec quebec media doesn't like me because uh, they they picture me as a uh, this far right wing uh, extremist misogynistic uh, racist man so uh for me to fill up an arena the media wouldn't be on my side they prefer to talk about boxing where the super champion of quebec fought this zero and 13 mexican guy for the world championship like boxing is a fucking joke in quebec but like there's seven pages like the the, the medias are hockey which i understand but like uh, oh this player renovated is uh is a range rover like shouldn't have a fucking page on there no one gives a fuck and uh when it comes to boxing it's always uh, chocolatino gonzalez three victories 70 defeat in the first round and he's fighting this champion from Quebec. And you're like, what? what? This is not a fight. This is just someone who's going to beat up someone. Anyway, so I cannot carry a card in Montreal. Uh, well, you could be a I part would. of a card in Montreal. I could be a part of a card in Montreal. That would be tremendous. But let's say, do you want me to fill a bell, uh, fill, uh, a bell center? And by, by the way, did you know that when George was fighting, more than 80% of the tickets were people from Ontario. That's yes. how low the media in Quebec are. The media in Quebec don't give a fuck about our sport. They never did because they're not getting money from Dana White. Like the the, the, the people from here uh, when it comes to boxing and hockey. They're getting paid a shitload of money then to make sure that they keep them relevant. So if you tell me Toronto, anytime. Toronto okay. would be the sickest car they would ever do. I was actually sad that Vancouver was so close. 
And, you know, I saw two featherweights. I think the Gavin Tucker one and uh, another fight. Uh, I think it was Ige or may maybe I'm wrong. There was a two featherweight fight that dropped off. And then I just received text from a manager. Don't think about it. Don't even think. <laughs> it. Like, I know. And uh, I, made, I made fun of the press conference. The guy was like, oh, do you think you're going to go uh, uh, do a quick turnaround? I'm like, no, no, no don't, don't start asking me about that shit because I'm going to think about it and I'm going to do it. Right. So no, right. I need my break, but uh, I maybe October, what they're going to say, I don't know. But if there's something back in Canada, of course, I would love to be part of it. That, that's, uh, that's another check mark. UFC Canada would be, would be sick for me. Yeah. Hakeem Dawadu was supposed to fight Lucas Almeida that, that, fell yeah. out Hakeem had to withdraw Lucas Almeida yeah. now fighting a week after against Pat Sabatini you mentioned yeah, why didn't them on the card why didn't they keep what? them on the card I think it's yeah. just a, a timing thing of getting Pat in there as the replacement it was I think four, no but Pat, four weeks. Pat was fight, Pat was fighting Tucker they were both scheduled right. on that card so that that's why when I, my coach Fabio told me yeah they, they moved it I'm like why they moved it maybe they want to save it for another card I, I don't know but Man, the card, the card, the cards is the card is good, but I get it that you want to put all the Canadians in there, but you like if it wouldn't be for for Dariush and uh, and uh, Oliveira, yeah, would be a hard card. It's a very hard card. Even the UFC 288 was hard. Now 289 is hard. Uh, 290 and 91 are crazy cards. But I, I get it. They, they, they're testing the water and uh, they, they want to see how the, the, the market will be. And uh, I hope they're going to have, uh, have a positive market. Market. I don't know about the tickets not right now in Vancouver. I'm going to be there. But uh, I, I, you're going to be there? Of course. It's like, 40, it's like 45 Boom. minutes down the road. Let's go. I'll Perfect. be there all week. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll be there all with right. you. So, okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'll be there and uh, let's keep in touch. We can arrange yeah, something fun. Of course. And uh, so yeah, Vancouver. I'm not is showing be up fun. on Charles Jordan's social media. I ain't. <laughs> I ain't making Instagram appearances. I ain't about that life. Not with you. I'm not, getting, I'm not, I'm not getting shot with arrows. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do a nunchuck battle. All right, well, figure like you will win that battle. I, I assure you of that. You mentioned in there your manager telling you, hey, don't even think about it. What is sort of the the timeline for you, the idea for you, if you can map out sort of when, obviously, the who is Edson Barbosa, ideally, when will people see see you back in the octagon if, if you get your sort of call of the shots here? So basically, uh, how it happens in UFC, you get uh, normally three fights or four fights contract, right? And me, I'm on, I'm on the first fight of my contract. When they want to give you the opportunity to raise your stock, which would mean a rank fight, it would be normally on the third fight of your contract. So now I would need to fight someone who's more around the, I think I'm number 18 or something. I, I don't know the exact number, but something surrounded the 20, 20 to 16 mark uh, for, for the next opponent. They already gave me a, a name option, but it was for August. But they said you might be interested in waiting for you, they asked me for Paris. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to Paris again. Uh, <laughs> schedule doesn't work. And uh, I'm taking a break maybe until end of uh, end of September, start of uh, October. Because I need, I need uh, to take care of some uh, unfortunate thing uh, here that happened uh, a year ago. Very immature, very stupid thing. Uh, uh, I won't say it because now it's in court. Didn't hurt anybody, of course, but uh, it was a very unfortunate thing. And now uh, I got some some dude who wants probably my money or something uh, after me. So, yeah, it's, it's stupid stuff. And I uh, just need to take care of that. Take care of other couple things. Uh, I'm in the process of buying my own uh, my own land. So, yeah, I need to fix a couple things. Take my time in between fights. Make sure I come back. And I'm, by the way, when I'm saying I'm taking care of all those things, I'm training. I'm not not training. Right. I'm not just not preparing for a specific uh, opponent, but I'm in the the. Uh, I put my gi on. I do a lot of jujitsu. I, I do my boxing. I do everything. I'm I'm still 100% active in the gym. But yeah, need to take care of some stuff before I get in uh, <laughs> another uh, specific opponent for maybe start of October. You mentioned not getting into specifics, so we will leave the pending litigation alone 
I yeah. will just say as as both a fan and someone that has come to develop a little bit of a relationship with you, stop yes, doing sir. stupid shit that gets you in court. Please. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% we, right. We uh, need you around making people laugh on social media and fighting in octagons. <laughs> yeah, I thank you for this it's, advice. Yeah, it's, oh, but it, like to be frank, it happened a year and a half ago. And uh, I, I'm actually very surprised. Even the the, 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 the the police officer that I met was very surprised that this thing would come back out of fucking nowhere. And I'm, I'm surely blaming the fact that I gained a lot of, of media attention in the last uh, two, three, uh, let's say year because I have yeah. been fights and growing as a, as a public figure. So I think this is what they're after. But it's understandable. Uh, I mean, uh, I won't blame someone for trying shoot, shooting their shot. <laughs> well, but, well, we'll have you back. We'll talk about it after everything yeah. is settled and resolved and we I, can go through it at some point. <laughs> you mentioned buying land. Buying land yes. means like full out, like moved out of mom and dad's long ago, got our own place. And now we're going to build a place. Yeah, we, that, that's the goal. We want to buy a land and uh, build uh, build our we want to start with something small. We don't want to put like uh, 800 Gs on uh, on something that's already done, but gonna need uh, like this not accustomed to what we like. So we prefer building something from from either the ground or from uh, a hold uh, a hold a home. My my girlfriend is the 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 manager of the the, the project. The projects, yeah, it, makes exactly. sense. Me, I get punched. I make money, and she she makes sure like like we said at the start of this uh, conversation. Happy wife, happy life. And uh, as long as she's happy, she's supporting me the best uh, way she can. And uh, yeah, that's that's the next process for the the, the 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 next month. Well, I look forward to seeing that detailed over <laughs> yes, the sir. years on the social media. Tell people where they can follow you. Tell people how they can enjoy all <laughs> of what you do before I let you get out of here and get on with your day. So basically just Instagram, I think, is the platform that I'm most active. I like TikTok as well. I have a lot of followers on TikTok. Facebook is more of my French uh, fellow uh, place because this is where my following comes from. So, yeah, just through social media. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, don't don't follow it. I won't pressure anybody. I'm just an easygoing guy who's doing his best and uh, speaking with people I like. So <laughs> that's it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. It has been a joy to get to get to know you, get to cover your ascent in the UFC, get to continue doing this. I look forward to it in the future. I appreciate your time, my friend. For Charles, I'm Spencer. This has been a conversation with. We'll see you next time.